They patrol the monuments to gridiron legends, but you better get the hell out of the way when they come rolling through. Randy Heights and Ryan Chapman are the Heisman Park Rangers, presented by the Highball Network. All right, guys, it is an enormous week. That's right. Election. Yes, oh, the, no, no. the Kansas Jayhawks are... Oh, no, neither of that. Headaches all around. But look, we are here, and it's football. We are halfway through the season. We've, we've passed the halfway mark, actually. So despite the fact that the Kansas Jayhawks are coming to Norman, Randy, we should cherish this. Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting. Oklahoma gets basically three bye weeks in a row, but they actually get glorified scrimmages on two of those Saturdays. So cherish it because... We didn't think we were going to have football at all. And even when Kansas comes to town, get excited. Just because, hey, they haven't been in Norman in a month. I know, I know. And I was going to talk about this, too. That uh, So it's actually been 42 days since the Oklahoma Sooners played in Norman, Randy. So doing a little digging, that actually ties the longest streak that the Sooners have ever had in between home games. So it's not a record, but it ties it. Uh, The other three times they had this, this will be the fourth, 1917, 1956, 1987. So it's been a while since we saw that. Uh, The last time the Sooners didn't play at home at all in October was 1985. So obviously, Randy, you know, the modern era of college football, you talk about especially the last 20 years where it's so built around TV contracts and driving revenue. Like this is a very rare thing for a college football program to go more than a month without playing a home game. Well, exactly. And and I think it shows the era or the year in 2020 of non-conference games. Kind of, hey, you only have one non-conference game. That's usually where Oklahoma gets two, maybe three in the month of September. And then you you mix in some Big 12 games over the last two months. So, you know, I, I think that's what you look at. That's kind of a cause of this. But Hey, I, I guess if you want to look at the positive side, yeah, they dropped a couple of games early. They're back in the Big 12 title race. And when you look at it, when you're in a stretch run trying to make that Big 12 title game, you've got home games on your slate. I mean, you have to go to West Virginia. But other than that, you're playing in Norman for the month of November and that week in December. Especially that Bedlam game, which is going to be massive and enormous because if if the texas longhorns and we're going to kind of get to this later in the show we'll take a look around the big 12 but the texas longhorns riding high off of their win at oklahoma state traditionally if you fall betting follow betting lines at all things like that this is a classic letdown spot for the longhorns they have been up and down all year long if they're unable to you know keep them in and rolling and turn it around you could be talking about texas falling apart down the home stretch here The long and short of that, Randy, is if Texas can't maintain and Iowa State beats Kansas State, if the Cowboys beat Kansas State, that Bedlam game could very well be you've got one team Mm -hmm. who's going to go to Arlington and play Iowa State, and that game could directly decide it. So getting that game inside the friendly confines of Gaylord Family Oklahoma Memorial Stadium, obviously a big deal, a rivalry game, anything you want, put all that stuff on the table. You want those games to be at home. Yeah, and, and that's why I looked at it. I mean, it, even when I looked at the schedule early in the year, not knowing what would happen, you know, of course, wins and losses, and where OU would be in the standings, even though it's Kansas, you'd like to have a different team maybe replace them as your home opponent because you'd much rather go to Lawrence because does it really matter where you play them? Oklahoma should beat them like a drum. Well, this is this was going to be weird. What does 25% capacity look like in Lawrence? I'm like... I'm actually curious as to what that looks like, but Kansas has been so bad this season. I haven't been curious enough to actually flip over to a Kansas game when they've been at home so far. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it's crazy to think. I mean, it probably looks like their normal home crowd. They don't even realize the pandemic's going on attendance-wise. I feel like, you know, if you're a student in Lawrence, do you go to the game on Saturdays when you need to study because it's the quietest, like most barren place on campus it's the best place to you know make sure you've got your own space plenty of room <laughs> you can to spread space out. out yeah there's plenty of room to spread out you can put your headphones in no one's going to disturb you uh, there you know you've got something going on in the background it's it's the same thing as having the tv on like i'm a i'm a big person randy that if i'm doing work 
I got to have the TV on just in the background, like the white noise. Mm-hmm. Like it, I feel like the game creates just enough to hit that white noise level, but everything else is a great study environment. But at the same time, when you look up, you're having to watch Kansas football. I, that's true. That's true. Um, I mean, like, and I, I know you got some stats, but Ryan, I mean, this team, I've watched them. I can't say a game. I'll be honest. I have not watched a full game of Kansas. I actually watched the entire Coastal Carolina game, Randy. Holy shit. You're a brave man. I, I've watched, may, maybe I could say I've watched a game of Kansas football this year, but that's like one quarter here, one quarter there. one Because you can't. Because every time you're like, all right, maybe it'll be better than what I thought. You start watching the game and you realize, oh my God, this is a glorified JV high school team. And I hate to say that because these kids were, you know, I mean, they played varsity football at their high schools and they're good players. And I, I kind of see a lot out of Kansas right now. Some issues of what we saw out of LSU when Les Miles was the head coach there. The big difference was the reason they're not having anywhere near the success the talent level he had at LSU, I think, helped overcome some of the lack of quarterback play he had at LSU. For and that's sure. with the guy that won a national title there. Yeah, I'm just not sure about Les Miles. I have some big question marks. Well, and this is a so coming into the season, we always talk about Puka Williams, and I think that Puka Williams is a fine back. Mm-hmm. Oklahoma think- did a lot in 2018 to kind of raise the profile of Puka Williams in a game. That uh, like I guess we can talk about it a little bit, but that was a game that I know it looks bad as fifty five to forty. You're giving up forty points to cancel. Like it, it was not a close game. It was just a game where oh you got up big and was like oh oh crap Puka's out. Like we actually have to like score one more time because Puka's out there doing Puka things. But obviously like he's a talented player. You hate to lose him coming into the season. You know Parchment the wide receiver. He thought that he might be able to despite you know question marks at quarterback play. He had kind of flashed down the stretch last year. That has not been anything at all like even even his production is empty what what little of it he's had um it, and you know traditionally last two or three years randy you've talked about okay well at least kansas has a, a solid defensive front like they have two or three decent guys up front they're not getting that this year like this is the worst kansas team i've seen in a long time and that is that's saying a lot it, it is and i understand the fact i mean when i was working last miles i understand the fact that talent level was down when he got for sure. He's, he's got a lot to replace. But I guess what I'm wondering with Kansas, and it's kind of where I wondered when they got rid of Mangino and went to Charlie Weiss and, you know, Beatty, and they keep making all these different moves, you're not a household name as a football program. The longer you keep putting quirks in a boat to stop the leaks and not getting a new boat, you're in a long uphill battle to bring it back. And I understand why you bring in Les Miles because he's got that name and I'm sure he impressed in the interviews and they're probably thinking, Hey, look at this name. He'll go get some kids. And he might, he might end up going and getting some kids, but even Keenan Coleman, a wide receiver, that's a four-star wide receiver. They had committed. Oh, what? Three months ago. He decommitted about a month and a half ago. I mean, even the guys he was getting are almost like, Hey coach, you're a great coach and everything, but that's a train wreck. I'm out. See it. I mean, so that's where I look at Kansas because I think it's nice when the Big 12, and I'm not one that roots for the conference necessarily, but it is nice when you don't have four bottom feeders in your conference or something like that. But I just don't know if there's a point when you look at this Kansas team this year. Is there a point do you see a bright side to go, hey, next year, that's the year they're going to win three games overall. That's the point they're going to win four games. You know, I, I just don't see that upward trend because Puka Williams, you mentioned him, he decided to opt out. That was their guy. Right. Yeah. I, I the, the Kansas program is in a spot where, and maybe Jeff Long coming in, new athletic director, uh, maybe this is the start of it, where I've felt like for a long time, like you said, they've bounced around Weiss, Turner Gill, um, you know, Beatty, Les Miles, you know, stuff like that. They, mm-hmm. The problem is that you can't draw a straight line between any of those coaches and saying, this is the Kansas football philosophy. That guy just wasn't working out for this reason or that reason. Like they've gone all over the place. So I feel like, like I know, um, you know, our friend, our coworker, Kelly Gregg, for a long time, he said they just need to bring in a triple option attack and, and try to gimmick people. I don't know if I totally agree with that, but I definitely agree with the thought of 
Kansas needs to sit down and just say, this is the kind of football we want to play. Mm-hmm. Bring in a coach that is a willing to accept a job in Lawrence, but B that you can believe, um, you know, whatever you want your calling card to be, whether it's defense, whether you want to, you know, have a run and shoot off, you know, stuff like that, whatever it is, pick it, go with it. Let someone, you know, start to build those, you know, building blocks and then bring in the next, you know, evolution of that guy, things like that. And we just haven't seen that in Lawrence. And like I said, maybe bringing in less miles is the culture reset. Maybe that is what they wanted in two or three years when Les decides to hang it up because he's just, you know, getting there or they'll just kind of quietly say, um, why don't you go ahead and announce a one year, you know, retirement, stuff like that, save some face, whatever it is, bring in that next guy. But I just haven't seen that out of the Jayhawks. And, and even in year two under Les, the like you said, Randy, the, the calling card of Kansas football right now is that it's a, it looks like a less miles team, which means that they have really poor quarterback play and they're unable to overcome that because they're Kansas, not Louisiana state. Exactly. And you know, I get what you're saying on maybe, you know, they brought him in as that stopgap guy, but if you're, if you're a Kansas fan and you're looking at this program and you want it to improve and maybe get close to what Mark Mangino did, you would like that. But what's the young guy on his staff that you're going that's the one because you mentioned bringing in this is the style of football play. We want to do this. We want to do that. Wouldn't it be nice to have that guy on staff right now? That way, almost what Bob Stoops did with Lincoln Riley, it was a nice smooth handoff. Like, hey, at least because right now, even by doing that, Ryan, if they're saying this is what we want to do, if that guy is not on the staff at Kansas right now, no matter who they hire, it's going to be almost starting over because Kansas is again at the bottom. Whatever they do to start over is going to be literally ground zero starting over. It's not like if Texas fired Tom Herman tomorrow, and let's just say they didn't bring in the rumors of an Urban Meyer, you know, an established coach. They brought in a young coordinator. That young coordinator, no matter what system you put in with the talent level Texas has on campus, would be able to be competitive right away. Right. Kansas is not that way. Well, and here's the thing. Here's the guy that I have pegged as someone that I really want to see get a shot. And that's Marcus Freeman. For those of you who don't know Marcus Freeman, he is right now currently the defensive coordinator for the Cincinnati Bearcats. He's been able to work under Luke Fickle. I understand that that's Fickle's defense. Like, I get that. But Freeman, he's that guy for me, energy-wise. Like, I, I love watching Cincinnati football. I do. And... I feel like almost that, you know, sitting on less miles for too long, you're missing the boat on a guy like that. Like I, if I'm Marcus Freeman from his perspective, you know, I, I, I'm almost like I'd rather take a power five defensive coordinator job and then, or hang around at Cincinnati and maybe a fickle gets hired, then you get promoted, something like that. But that's someone like, I know it's crazy as it sounds, Randy, in this conference lately, I feel like Kansas identity Somehow, some way, Chris Harris Jr. and Akeem Tlaib have been very successful in the National Football League, premier cornerbacks in the National Football League. We've talked about how their defensive line has been pretty decent the last two or three years, things like that. I almost feel like bringing in a defensive guy and zagging where everyone else zigs in the Big 12 and trying to, I don't think you can get to the level of TCU, obviously, like Patterson has done incredible things with that program, and he's built it up over a very long tenure, but but being that other team, Iowa State has had success hanging their hat on defense and, and building a team to just stifle and, and frustrate Lincoln Riley's offense. Like doing something similar to that will get you to a point where you can reel off a four and six season and everyone's like, oh, my God, look at Kansas go. They won four games. And then you can start to try to recruit and be like, look, we're turning. Around. You know what I mean? Like something like that where you can deal with the fact that you don't have as much talent on offense. And, and by putting yourself in a great position defensively, you don't have to have, you know, incredible, you know, world breaking guys. You get a few athletes, you'll be able to score some points. And, you know, it's a power five job. And I think you're right in what you're saying. But like when you talk about, you know, Cincinnati and getting the coordinator from there, you know, maybe coming to Kansas or, some, you know, a guy like that. Personally, if you're him, look at what Cincinnati's doing now. They're their top 10 team in the country. Yeah, they won't be able to necessarily do that every year, and especially maybe in a normal non-COVID year when rankings will be different, but they'd still be really good. Is Kansas the job you leave a secure defensive coordinator's job spot for? Because like you say, Fickle gets a power five job. Odds are he's promoted to head coach. That's a better job than Kansas. 
I don't know if I risk my coaching future. So you may be looking at a guy, they have to do a little bit of what Kansas State had to do, but I don't think Kansas State had to do it. Go get a guy from the FCS level, that top head coach there that, hey, you want a shot at you know college football? We got a power power five job. That's where well, I think they're at. Maybe they just need to try and go annex the Coastal Carolina staff because they've they've got the number on the, on the Jayhawks and Lawrence. Maybe, no maybe that's what they need. Just bring in the entire staff and and hey, with the new transfer rule coming into play, uh, just bring Coastal Carolina into the conference for real. Exactly. Just by way of by way of Lawrence. Yeah. Or how about this? We just bring them in for real and we transfer Kansas out of the conference. Exactly. Literally. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I'd, I'd much rather head to Coastal Carolina. They have a beautiful campus. But uh, I mean, obviously, there, there's not a ton to say about this game. Look, the Sooners are riding a 15 game win streak against the Jayhawks. That's their longest active win streak. Uh, the games haven't even partic- haven't even been particularly close, even when Kansas has been good. We talk about that 2018 game. The only other game that was even really a football game was in 2008. Um, the Sooners won 45 to 31. That one was 24, 17 at half. And then, oh, you never turned back in that game. Um, like the last time they lost was 1997. And still, even when OU was in the droves of their program, they only lost by a field goal to Kansas. So it's one of those things that, so what for you, I guess, is a success for Oklahoma this weekend? Is it as simple as don't turn the ball over, don't get anyone injured? Like, what do you want to see? Cause this is not the matchup. I feel like Lincoln Riley wishes he had is the final tune up before a bye weekend and the huge, massive Bedlam game. You know, I think when you look at a success this weekend, I mean, it's handling your business. I mean, it's blowing them out. It's, you know, kind of doing what you did to Tech last week. And it's just doing the little things. When I I jokingly said to start the podcast, hey, it's a glorified scrimmage. Handle it like a scrimmage. Do what you did because, I mean, but you want to have, a lot of success. It's not like that year you mentioned eighteen. You know when Baker Baker struggled in Lawrence. I mean that whole team struggled. It was it was closer than it should have been, but it was never in doubt. You don't want a game like that. I mean this team's young. They're they're brimming with confidence right now. You want to see them do kind of what they did to Texas Tech. Go out, beat the tar out of them midway through the third quarter. They're coming out. You want to see some turnovers, not because I think oh they need them. You know the pressure or anything like that. But you want to see that defense continue to build on that confidence because you got a bye week, and then you've got two weeks to the biggest game of the year. I mean, really, to be honest, if you want a shot at defending your Big 12 title, it starts. It started already, but it starts Bedlam week. I'm not worried about losing this week. Yeah, for sure. This is one of those games where, obviously, you want to see Spencer Rattler continue the 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 arc he's been on taking care of the football. Number one, you're not really concerned about the huge playmaking against Kansas. Like it's not needed. So this is the last tune up. Cause I think to attack the Oklahoma state defense, it's going to be one of those games where Rattler is going to have to take what the defense gives him and work through his progressions and things all the way up until where he can take those shots downfield, things like that. So this is the game that you want to run that style of offense. Tell Spencer, look, I know that the big play is going to be there take it when it is but try not to pat the football today like try to get it out early if it's not there immediately stuff like that and then like honestly this sounds bad but round in Ramondre Stevenson and Ronnie Perkins Mm -hmm. closer to game shape and then get everybody else out by halftime because any guys that you think in your mind are going to be competing for snaps in the bye week get them in in that second half to play a bunch of snaps that way you can truly roll this game out on film and say it is open season on a bunch of jobs in the bye week because we need our best 15 16 guy rotation to beat the Cowboys yeah no and I think that's what you're looking at I mean and you mentioned rotating guys in and the other reason you want to do that you want to come out healthy you don't need that crazy little and I don't care if it's a high ankle sprain you don't need any of those from your main front line guys that's the other reason to just you know lay the wood to them in the first half where those guys you put them in street clothes at halftime like that way you don't even have to think about Oh, we're going to stick them back in. And you know what? You mentioned Stevenson and Perkins, and it's the hill I'm going to die on, even though, like you said in the post-game podcast, Swinson played better. You get the Murrays. You get Harrison in there. You get them more repetitions, more playing. Because even with Swinson and everyone playing better, if you can get that rotation where you can wear down a defensive line, because Oklahoma State's defense has been pretty solid this year. 
the more guys you can run out there on the offensive line to wear out that defensive line and linebackers for Oklahoma State, the better you are in that next game. Ab- absolutely, for sure. And, uh, you know, that only other thing is, hey, there's some – there's uh, Oklahoma went out, and in their the last two games, they've posted the two smallest penalty totals of the season. I think they had seven against TCU, and then only two penalties for 15 yards against the Red Raiders. Look, Randy, we flipped the calendar, so those of you in Norman know what that means. We've moved from October to November, which means that three times a week you will get some sort of push notification about a new championship November graphic, a new you know stat or something of how many games straight Oklahoma's won in November, um, a stat of how many Big 12 titles OU's won in November, some sort of hype video, and it's warranted because the Sooners are riding a 21-game win streak in the month of November, you have to go all the way back to 2014. Um, a game that many people won't want to go all the way back to that Baylor game. But uh, it's one of those things, Randy, that the Sooners have made their money in November because during the season, they are able, the hallmark of a good team is to continually get better week to week. And that includes things like mopping up the mental mistakes, taking care of the ball on offense, not turning the ball over, and not having those dumb penalties, which were central to us talking about what cost them against Kansas State, what killed drives that would have been able to extend the game, and in aims against Iowa State, and to a certain extent, Randy, in the Cotton Bowl against Texas. Dumb penalties, dumb holdings, um, you know, pass interferences, things like that on third down. OU has has ratcheted that way down, and you want to see that continue. Put another clean four quarters on film before the Bedlam game. And, and I guess one other thing that I want to see, because it's, it's back to the penalties and everything like that, it kind of goes hand in hand. You notice what we haven't talked about the, a lot the last couple of weeks? The defensive backfield, as far as naming guys. For sure. Mentioning Buki, mentioning Trey Brown, mentioning this guy, mentioning that guy. We haven't had to do that. The defensive backfield needs to go another week, especially against a team like Kansas, where we're not bringing up the defensive backs unless it's like we did Trey Norwood last week, getting two interceptions on a tip drill. You know right. That, that's what you want to see Saturday. You don't need to have another post-game podcast on Sunday when we're doing this or Saturday night, and we're going, man, Trey Brown got burnt two times, or this guy did this, or he was passing their free. That, that's kind of what you want to see, too, in my opinion. Yeah, for sure. Because, I mean, let, let's be honest, and, and not to look too far ahead, we've got plenty of time to, to break this game down, but this Sooner secondary is not going to contain Tylen Wallace. There's not a secondary in the country that's going to contain yeah. Tylen Wallace. But it is very important that this secondary is playing as or, or comes into the game as confident as they can be, because like that's a huge headache, a huge matchup. And this is that last game of this. This should be another game where you are in shutout territory, where you are in that three turnover territory, which that's only the second time that Oklahoma's forced three turnovers under Alex Grinch against Texas Tech. The other one was South Dakota. Like, it's not like that this has been a commonplace, even though this is what Alex Grinch just yearns for. So I really feel like, you know, Grinch would be very, very content if you could put another um, week like that out there, keep that turnover margin rolling. But uh, yeah, other than that, Randy, it's Kansas week. (laughs) I I fully agree. And I I just kind of sat back and I'm thinking, you know, when we were starting this before I got on, I was like, what are we going to talk about? Because it is Kansas week. So so you do have to look through for those things. And you know, one thing I would like to, and we can get into other things later, but the one thing I would like to see, maybe one other guy, Seth McGowan. If there's ever going to be that game where he goes off to almost start taking that next step, because as great an athlete as he is, and it, it's kind of funny, Ryan, everyone has fallen in love with this kid. And I, I like him. Don't get me wrong. I think he's a potential NFL guy. He's still... There's something about him when you watch him that he's not ready for the Big 12 level right now. He's raw. He's raw for sure. He's very raw. So you'd kind of like to see him grow up a little in this game because you would think, even though Stevenson, like you say, they're going to be working to get him more game ready, but you kind of think McGowan is going to be the second half back because your top two are Stevenson and Pledger the rest of the way. Well, uh, honestly, Randy, like there's another guy in the backfield that I'd really like to see who might have passed McGowan on my list of dudes. I'd like to get some reps so that though you can 
can use him against the Cowboys, and that's Mikey Henderson. Like he came in and was electric from that H back position. He, you can tell that dude is built. His body is ready for the Big Twelve, and it's just a matter of you're sitting there going, Lincoln Riley has to be just salivating on film, going all of the things I can do with this guy because there have been some really incredible H backs, and I'm sorry, I'm not going to include Calcaterra, Stogner. Um, Mark Andrews in that group, they're, they're tight ends to me, but there have been some awesome tools that, that Lincoln Riley's been able to use. That would be another aspect to the offense that you would love to be able to roll out there against the Cowboys because, yes, it's against Texas Tech. Yes, it snaps in the second half, but he has that just it factor that when he gets the ball in his hand, it felt like a play could pop off to the house anytime he had it. Well, I was going to say, I think that's the one thing about him at H-back. And like you say, there's been other good ones, and you've had the guys that are tight ends that are playing that position. He's the first guy you look at that H-back spot. It could also be a running back and a legit running back, not just, wow, they've had so many injuries. You can use him there if you have to. He looks like he could be a legit big-time running back, you know, and get you five, six yards a carry, maybe on 10 carries in a game, you know, or something like that. He's got that explosive ability, and he does with that ability, Ryan. I think he has an extra dimension to that offense if he gets in there because he's a legit running threat, not a three yards and a cloud of dust type running guy. So now you can mix that in there with him in the receiving game because was it against Texas, I believe it was? He got a big pass in that game. Right. It was the only one, but, I mean, he had a flash there. I mean, this is a young kid. I know they were high on coming in after fall camp. When he was signed, they were high on him. And you're starting to see little glimpses of what he can bring to this team as the year goes on. Well, if Oklahoma can continue to recruit guys of his um, just athleticism and his build and play him at that position, Randy, like it's just you could see. It's hard to like make this sound reasonable, but Lincoln Riley has had literally record setting offenses already Mm -hmm. at Oklahoma and the tools that he has in that wide receiver room and in that H back room tell you next year they could be a whole nother gear if they can get it all together. And that's what the foundation, no matter what they do as far as retaining that, you know, defending their five time big 12 championships and getting to a, a new year six bowl game or whatever they're called these days, you know, beyond that games like this are going to lay the foundation to what the Sooners want to do next season because of the, the comfortability of getting guys into the game so that hopefully he could be included in that game plan against the Cowboys, things like that. So, you know, the second half could actually be fun from a different perspective is you, you could kind of see, some of these young guys that haven't really had a chance, maybe some of them that missed that Missouri State game for contact tracing, stuff like that. Like this could be where you truly start to see how high the the talent level could be on this football team next season with all the rotations and things. No doubt. And, you know, as we wrap this up, one, one thing that we have, our one guy we haven't mentioned, and it won't be this week, but I mean, get a little excited because you talk about the deep room, you know, and the offensive side, Jaden Hazelwood. Yes. I think we're getting ready to see him. Yes. I mean, and that receiving core, if he can, if he gets better and better like he did towards the end of last year, you start mixing that in there with Theo Weiss, who really is taking off as that number one receiver in a lot of ways. And then you got Marvin Mims, the freshman. I mean, hey, Katie barred the doors on what this offense may be able to do the rest of this year. Well, yeah, you talk about – the offensive line has put together two fantastic games protecting Spencer Rattler. We've talked about Randy on this podcast. What is what is a defensive or what's a what's an offensive coordinator going to do game planning for the Oklahoma defense when you now have a Perrion Winfrey, a Laron Stokes, an Isaiah Thomas, a Ronnie Perkins, a Nick Benito? Pick four of those five. Who are you going to you know double team things like that? Turn the page, and OU can roll out Ramondre Stevenson standing right by Spencer Rattler, and then you have Hazelwood, Weiss, Stogner and Mims on the field together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who the hell do you bracket? Who do you put your spot? Like, what do you do? Like, and the question is pray. You you pray that that offense doesn't get it rolling all together. And then the defensive coordinators in this league go freshman, freshman, red shirt, soft or sophomore who will have another year as a sophomore. Who is a sophomore. Yeah. Another sophomore. Um, that's a freshman quarterback. 
That's a Juco running back that could come back next year, maybe because he had to sit out half that. What the hell do we, that offensive line, everyone except Creed Humphrey, probably like what you start sitting there and you go, Oh shit. (laughs) Yeah, no, I, I, I kind of, yeah. If I was a coach right now, I'd be like, what do we do? What, how do we stop this? Because, okay, let's be honest. Big 12 defenses are getting better, right? I think we'd both agree with that. Yeah. But they're not elite defenses. And you're looking across at that, you're going, crap. Okay. How <laughs> and, do we? And OU's defense is getting better because you, you don't go into the shootout theory. You're like, crap, we can't have a shootout. They're not going to give that up. I was about to say, you go from, okay, but, you know, if we we work their defense a little bit, we can keep them off the field. You go, oh, no, they're fielding a competent unit on the other side of the ball. And now, all of a sudden, the Big 12 is saying, what were we doing the last five years not knocking them off? And this year, especially, Mm -hmm. you don't knock OU off this year. It could get ugly. Yeah, I I will say that. I'll I'll be honest with you. I mean, if if OU finds a way, and it's still a, a little bit of a stretch to do it. Still a but marathon, if they, yeah. If if they find a way to win a Big Twelve title, I don't know when you see them losing it. When when do they not win the Big Twelve title? When are they not Big Twelve champions? It starts to get to that point in football, like Kansas men's basketball. You know, like, all right, I'm I'm gonna believe it when I see it. You know, people are gonna pick them every year because, like, dude, do you remember the 2020 year? That that was when they were vulnerable. And they won it. I, yeah. There's no way I'm picking against them. Now, anything can happen. But, I mean, I you're right. That's what the rest of the Big 12. I think if you put Drew Sermon, nine other coaches, they're probably to the point when they look at Oklahoma this year, they're going, I don't care who wins. I really don't. You know, especially once they're eliminated from being able to potentially win it. I, just, just don't let Lincoln and the guys win it again. Yeah, they, they win it again. They start putting space that much more between everyone well and the the problem is that you could finally potentially see that small small crack in what texas has done to the state of texas because we always say texas is always going to have the athletes things like that but now randy you're literally if you get to six years seven years Mm -hmm. eight years especially that eight year mark you have recruits who have lived half of their life knowing nothing other than Oklahoma and everybody else. Yeah. You already had Oklahoma's newest recruit pickup, Mr. Bowman, literally drop that, uh, you know, a, a reason of flipping from Texas is, you know, the, it, it fit and I, you know, all this stuff. And also, you know, you have a coaching staff that knows what they're doing. Uh, excuse me. What? You have a coaching staff that knows what they're doing. That's an actual quote from a recruit who just flipped from Texas. Like, and he wants a chance to win championships. Yeah. I mean, okay. It's like, yeah. And that again, let me repeat, like I did on the podcast post game. The recruiting coordinator for Texas favorited that tweet, which you know, not bang up job there. <laughs> Explain that one to me. We could go off on that all night long because I was just I'm still mesmer. I'm, I'm still in shock by that. But yeah, no, but uh, and that's something that, you know, obviously we have a long way to go this season and it, it starts by just not getting anyone hurt against Kansas. Honestly, ding, but, uh, ding, ding. You, you speak of that, you know, Kansas streak and Kansas basketball. And, you know, I, I think that we're still kind of, um, you know, coming to terms with the fact that that coach Billy Tubbs kind of passed on and and, and things like that. And. And we heard this conversation around, you know, earlier this year, unfortunately, another giant of the game, um, Coach Sutton up in Stillwater, he had passed away. And you heard this outpouring from just the college basketball community, because when you have a coach that is that legendary, it doesn't just touch your program. It doesn't just touch the people in Stillwater or in Norman or for Billy Tubbs at Lamar and TCU, things like that. You have this outpouring from the college basketball world. And Randy, I saw, you know, Oklahoma's own Bill Self. He, he was talking with the media right after it happened. And he had a lot of nice stuff to say about Billy Tubbs. So this is what um, Bill Self, obviously, you know, head coach of Kansas basketball. If you don't know that, welcome from your rock. Uh, this is what he had to say about Billy Tubbs passing this week. Being from Oklahoma, there's three men that that brought basketball to Oklahoma. Uh, you know, Mr. Iba did back in the, the earlier years, but, but, but 
from a popularity standpoint, uh, you know, Wayman Tisdale, Nolan Richardson, and obviously Billy Tubbs. They did more for basketball in our state in, in, in the modern generation than, than anybody has. And, and uh, he was one of those guys that you loved or you loved to dislike. And I know Kansas fans have had their moments where they certainly disliked. What do you do, have his team cut down nets here after winning the Big 8 one time? And, and he had players at, at Colorado wear the foam finger uh, to make sure that the people knew they were saying number one instead of maybe something else. Uh, uh, I know at, at, uh, when UNLV introduced their starters, uh, they did the fireworks show, so he got everybody sparklers when he took his TCU team to play there, and they, they ran through the sparklers uh, you know, during uh, pregame introductions. Uh, and I could go on and on about so many things he did that created controversy and interest at the same time. Uh, who would ever forget what he did with uh, with uh, Missouri and Norm Stewart, and when he when he got on the microphone and said, "Hey, hey, nobody, nobody, throw anything else on the floor, no matter how bad the officiating is." <laughs> I mean, he he did stuff like that all the time. You just can't help but like him, and and so uh, uh, wish him nothing but the best. He and his family, and Pat and Tommy, and their their group, but but uh, that 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 that's a man uh, that created a lot of memories for a lot of people. Big time stuff from Coach Self there. It really was, and it's cool to hear a lot of that because, yeah, I mean, and you're too young for it. I mean, but back in that era, it was, it was the era of personalities in Big Twelve basketball coaches. I mean, he mentioned Norm Stewart, Johnny Orr, I mean, Billy Tubbs, Larry Brown, Lon Kruger. I mean, yeah, I was about to say Lon Kruger, Oklahoma, but we all love Lon, but his personality is not quite like one of those. But I mean. When you got those, it was just a fun time. They did things like that because those coaches, there may have been some dislike, but at the same time, there was that camaraderie. Or, yeah, I'll jab you a little, you jab me a little, you know, and go back and forth. It was good rivalries. And, yeah, I know today Billy was laid to rest in a family ceremony. You know, they didn't make it public, which in some ways is kind of sad because I think there would have been a huge outpouring of love for Coach Tubbs. And, that's why, yet again on Twitter, I just started retweeting my same tweet from Monday. I'm on a campaign, a daily retweet or tweet of, hey, Billy Tubbs court. I mean, it's, it's because, you know, I, I think that family, I think they know. I know some of the family pretty well. They know how much he's loved in Oklahoma. But I think it would do them really a lot of good after going through all this in 2020. When this is all done, when you can fill an arena and fine. Whenever they name the court, they name the court. But at least to do some type of, you know, remembrance of Coach Tubbs around Oklahoma. For I, sure. I somebody put on today, they need a statue outside Lloyd Noble Center. Fully agree. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, just stuff like that. And that that's kind of the one thing I want to see is Oklahoma come out and find a way to honor him. But I do want to wait. And I said it the other day, I want to wait until – we can have a full arena at the Lloyd Noble Center, you know, or heck, if they want to do it at a football game, do it then. Cause I guarantee you all those people know who coach Tubbs is too. do it when he can really be honored and remembered for what he did for Oklahoma and just the game of basketball in general. Yeah. And after look, I get, it wasn't the um, simplest of, of parting ways at the end and stuff. But, but like you said, last podcast, Randy, enough time has passed you can tell that Billy Tubbs has nothing but love for Sooner Nation and the University of Oklahoma in his heart. And they've already brought him back into the fold to help out around the university. You could see him wandering around at the Lloyd Noble Center at any time a big game came around. Like it, It's time. And unfortunately, like you said, it being time may need to be delayed by a season just because we don't know what's going on. Um, I know that right now the, the, the plan is, in place is 25% capacity also at Oklahoma basketball games with the shortened season, all that stuff, which fine, whatever, make, make your jokes now. Good job, everyone. You're very original. You're the first person I promised to have made that joke about the LNC stuff like that. But, but it just shows it's you like pick and spill, you know, looks yeah. like a normal Saturday. Exactly. Exactly. Like it, like congratulations. The comedy writers of Twitter were out in full force when that announcement was made, but it's just one of those things that it's time and there's so much just rich basketball history in Norman that just kind of gets glossed over 
obviously because OU is a football school, it's never not going to be a football school, and and that's okay. But also because I think the program, like we said, it just even when they're good, maybe it's not that standard of you have to be good and flashy and entertaining if you're going to make a dent mm-hmm. as not the premier sport, or you just have to win a crap ton of national championships. Just ask men's and women's gymnastics and the softball team. Like that's the two bars that you have to get attention at a place like the university of Oklahoma, not playing football. And uh, I am just kind of excited to finally get to talk to Lon Kruger since that happened. Cause you know, he's one of the few guys that you know coached against him and then turned around and, and got to work with him. And, and he also likes to play a style that empowers his players to get up and down the court and score a lot of points and things like that. So I just, I I'm looking forward to it right now. We're only getting to talk to the men's basketball team every other week. Um, so unfortunately um, with everything going on last week was that week. So it'll be another few days until we can talk to them, but it'll be really interesting to see, but uh, it's time obviously. Yeah. It's beyond time. I mean, it's, it's so funny that people, you know, and I know cause you weren't in that era. A lot of people act like Billy left on bad terms you know, really, when you think about it, when you hear the stories, he didn't leave on bad terms. I mean, it, was, it wasn't it was going great. They'd had some great problems where he lost some great players here and there, and it caused a few bad years, you know, but it looked, it was on the uptick. Here's what's funny. You want to, you know what's interesting about OU basketball and at least Billy and Kelvin? Both those guys left the University of Oklahoma with a top five signing class. Highest recruiting class either one of them had ever recruited. Billy left and went to go to TCU, and he was, you know, looked like on the way with that recruiting class to getting Oklahoma back. Right. Kelvin left to go to Indiana. I mean, we all remember Scotty Reynolds went to Villanova, won a national title. Yeah, that was a that was a Kelvin signing. That was his right. best. Recruiting. It's just kind of funny how that works, you know. And I I still blame Donnie Duncan a lot for Billy Tubbs no longer being at Oklahoma when he did leave. Right. You know. I think he thought, oh, I can go hire someone better. And some people argue he did, but I'm sorry, not a chance. The high, the precipice of Oklahoma basketball was the Billy Tubbs era. I mean, yeah, for sure. Nothing has happened any better. So, yeah. No, thank you, Donnie Duncan, you douche. Just yeah, go on away. Thanks. Shout, shout out to good old Donnie. But it's just one of those things that uh, hopefully we can uh, get the ball rolling on that because it's, it's past time. And, you know, look, we're. We're ready. Hey, I think I think I might tweet every day about it. I think I'm averaging about forty to fifty likes. I know that's not there a ton, and it's not always the same. So I mean, people get it, people understand, and I think it just takes a ground swell of support. Well, look, I, I hate to be this guy, Randy, but the bring back top dog movement took a while. Oh, I- so I hope that and I'm still not sure I'm happy with it, but that's okay. Well, that well, See, if Ken Evans isn't going to be top dog, I'm out. Look there. Uh, they need to do a better job of combing campus. Let's just, let's just say that I, without, I understand that at this point, the Oklahoma athletic department is a multi-billion dollar in like, I get that. Mm hmm. But you're not rolling top dog out at football games. It's okay to have fun because you know what gets on camera and on SportsCenter? Arizona State's wall of distraction with their student section. Stuff like that. College basketball has taken second fiddle to, you know, everything going on at that time, which is fine. Okay, whatever. You know, having some personality with top dog is not going to get you killed. No, no. And that's that's why I'm not I'm kind of kidding. But that's the reason honest that's the reason it went away top dog went away for kind of that reason they went let's do boomer and sooner i like the idea of the overall mascot sorry ken evans was a master this guy went on to be harlem globetrotters mascot right he you know i mean he had a lot he also then went on to was it the wildlife federation mascot had a long career lives in arizona now i don't know why i'm on the mascot i know a lot about that but but you know i mean i mean top dog's a legend like he is but yeah Let's not take that long to do Coach Tubbs honoring. That's all I got to say. Absolutely, absolutely. If it takes that long, we I may be protesting outside an office chanting things well, right now as well. Take a number in line. <laughs> it, <laughs> it, it appears you aren't going to be the only one 
Here, As you can see, I've been a little distracted. Yeah, yeah. There's uh look, the timing of this podcast is uh it frankly, it got moved back a night because uh Tuesday night, um looking at just stuff rolling in or whatever, Randy and I, you know, Randy, you texted me and I was like, I have not thought about Oklahoma and Kansas yet. Like there are other things going on right now, and twenty-four hours later, no clarity. Anyway, before we get out <laughs> here. And we go back to, you know, doing what all of us demented people that they're just sitting here watching returns, you know, flipping through channels because, you know, what is life? Uh, let, let's look across the Big 12 real quick. Obviously, Oklahoma and Kansas, uh, look, the Sooners are favored by 38. That might not be enough points. Um, that says it's not. That says all you need to know about Oklahoma and Kansas. But there are some really interesting games elsewhere in the conference. First off. The Sooners opponents on the other side of the bye week, the Oklahoma State Cowboys. We kind of got into it a little bit last podcast. Oklahoma State ran Texas off the field in every area except for turnovers and two special teams plays. Ends up dropping that game in overtime, giving OU a huge lifeline. They hit the road to play Kansas State. Kansas State obviously uh, dropped one against West Virginia and Will Howard's first true road game. Randy, how do you see this playing out? This is a huge game for the Sooners, and they really need the Cowboys to win if they want to clear that path to Arlington. You you know, to me, I I think it's an interesting game, only for the simple fact of the hangover effect. I mean, I I know what everyone says, and you say, yeah, they dominated it, but at the same time, you never felt like Texas was out of it. But Oklahoma State, when we look at it, who would have been more depressed losing that game on Saturday? Texas, who had the lead with a minute to go and basically wanted to prevent and said, go ahead and tie the game up? Or right. Texas? I, I think it may have been Texas at that point in time, even with all those numbers you say. So now it's like, how does Oklahoma State bounce back after that loss? And I think you've heard it. And granted, I don't think the coaches surely are thinking this. If they are, it's definitely an Aggie factor. Because, you know, everyone's like, how long do they leave Sanders in if he throws an interception? He threw, he had 400 total yards, Ryan. Yeah. 400 total yards. As much as we say they controlled the game, let me tell you. And I think Illingworth can be a good quarterback in time at Oklahoma State. Sanders was chased all over that field. Yeah. If they even get in a spot, I'm going to pick OSU, but if they get in a spot where they think, oh, Sanders threw an interception, you know, he didn't look good there, we're going to take him out. I might put my money on Kansas State because we saw what their defense is capable of doing. That line for OSU isn't great. I mean, Ryan, they're they're going to get to the statue. Yeah. And unfortunately, that's what Elaine Worth is. He's not the best athlete in the world. He's not going to run out of things. And that's the key. But I do think Oklahoma State wins this week, and it's good for Oklahoma if they do. Yeah, I mean, I think Chris Kleiman obviously is a hell of a football coach. We've seen that as uh, the only man to go, what, 2-0 against Lincoln Riley? Uh, yeah. Shout out to Chris Kleiman. I think he needs that, another job. Yeah, I, outside of this conference. Um, right. I I, uh, I think that uh, everything you said is right. Here, here's the difference, though, in my opinion. Um, Will Howard is not Sam Ellinger. I know that that Sam Ellinger is not. You know, um, for 50 minutes of a game, he's nothing special to write home about. But I mean, I'm sorry if you don't respect his late game heroics at this point. You're just being stubborn. Like like Ellinger's that dude when it gets late into a game. And I really do feel like for Oklahoma state, um, you, you talk about being let down a little bit, but honestly, and this is no insult to them coming into this year. It was make it to the big 12 title game. And you've got a 50, 50 shot of toppling Oklahoma. And if things work out correctly, you're a dark horse playoff contender. Yeah. If Oklahoma state wins out and then beats the hell out of Iowa state or somehow weird stuff happens and gets that opportunity to play Oklahoma a second time and wins again. If weird stuff happens across the country, if Ohio state can only play five games, if the PAC 12 cannibalizes itself, if the sec continues to look bang average outside of Alabama, you know, things like that. There's a lot of weird stuff that could happen where OSU could try to backdoor backdoor their way into a college football playoff. But honestly, playing for a big 12 championship is a big deal in Stillwater. And it's a big deal anywhere. And it's not like their season's over. It's not like Oklahoma when they drop one of these games. You know what I mean? Like right, wrong, or otherwise. I really expect the Cowboys to come out. And the line's 12 and a half. I think it'll be a closer game than that. But I think OSU, I I think it'll look similar to the Texas game as far as dominance goes. Like I I really do feel like that defense will get it rolling in Manhattan. 
Yeah, I mean, the butt-pecker factor won't happen for Oklahoma State for two more weeks. So True. I, I'm like, I think they will. True. Um, again, another game doesn't really have Big 12 title at, uh, implications, but Texas Tech heads on the road to TCU. I think this will be interesting just because, look, we don't know how good either of these teams are. I'm trying to retroactively evaluate Oklahoma. I know that comparing scores isn't perfect, anything like that. But if this Texas Tech offense can kind of get it going against Gary Patterson and TCU, that might make you feel a little bit better about just the awesome performance OU put out. Or, hey, TCU keeps it rolling. They handled Baylor pretty easily. It puts a little more respect on uh, OU's measured victory in in Fort Worth two weeks ago. And and you know what? I'm going to go with Texas Tech in this game. I mean, I, I just think neither team's great. But it seemed like to me, watching TCU on both sides of the ball, there was no plan. Right. Whereas at least I kind of see what Tech's going for, the running game, running, you know, going at a faster pace, at least on offense. They seem like they had a concept of what they want to do on offense. And the defense, some of that, I, I mean, you kind of wonder how bad the defense would have been if, oh, I don't know, they get put don't get put right behind the eight ball, two interceptions back to back, you know, no time at all. And, you know, they're down 21, seven in a blink of an eye. So I don't think they're good defensively, but I kind of, I think they'll do pretty good against that. Whatever that thing is, they throw out on the offensive side of the ball for TCU. (laughs) TCU. They could go out and win by 20. They go out and lose by 20. I'd be like, yeah, that, that feels about right. Just because you never know. They go as far as their defense takes them. And, like we said, we don't quite know what they're doing. They seem to be more coherent against Baylor. Everyone has seemed to be coherent against Baylor this year, though. So I I, I like TCU just because they're at home, but I, I see this one going either way. But like I said, I think that will be kind of fun just to, to maybe try to get a better idea at what product you've seen. What you don't want to mm-hmm. see if you're an OU fan is like five turnovers combined and basically uh, two teams that can't get out of their own way because then you really start to say, Okay, well, Oklahoma's playing confidently, so it's hard to quantify that. But what they've done over the last two weeks is beat up on just god awful football teams, which which I which can still be true. Yeah, yeah, like the, no surprise. But you just would like them to look a little bit better, and maybe it makes you feel a little bit better about the Sooners. Um, the one that's not very interesting, Randy, Iowa State hosting Baylor. Something catastrophic has to happen there, in my opinion. Well, not only that, but also let's talk about the Big Twelve title race. The easiest easiest path for OU is go ahead and let Iowa State just. Just freaking went out. For sure. But at the end, it doesn't matter either because as long as you beat everyone else that's going to be on that two-loss scenario, Iowa, you only have to be one of two teams. You don't have to beat out Iowa State for that slot. So I think if it's an OU fan, just try to watch and enjoy the game. But Iowa State should win. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Same boat there. As long as Brock Purdy doesn't turn the ball over. Um, Here's the one, though, that I really have circled, Randy. I think this will be an awesome game. Uh, the Mountaineers coming off their their big win against Kansas State head to Austin. The Texas Longhorns are ranked once again. This is a Texas team, Randy, that should have lost to Texas Tech, mm-hmm. did lose to TCU in Oklahoma. And like we said, it, they did a great job of getting to Spencer Sanders. Sure. But Sanders wasn't the only one. LD Brown coughed up a ball there. They gave up a kickoff return for a touchdown that uh, roughing the punter late in the game, just boneheaded when you didn't have to to bring the house at the Texas punter. Like this is a team that has gotten a ton of help to get to four and two. Now I understand the prevailing theory in Austin is that's a big turnaround game in Stillwater by any means necessary. It doesn't have to be pretty because now if Texas wins out, somehow some way they still have a path to the big 12 championship but randy they're favored by six and a half not only will i be riding uh west virginia to lay that six and a half give me the mountaineers straight up you're brave so i think texas sucks but i also think west virginia sucks i I don't think there's a good football team on this field that that is correct yeah that's uh, and i only reason i'm gonna go with texas just for the simple fact we mentioned it earlier, Ellinger seems to be a gutty guy. I think he gets a little done for him, even though Deggie's played pretty well for, for West Virginia at times. But he also has had the bad game where Texas Tech made him look pedestrian. And again, that's one reason why maybe I'd change my tune if I could watch Tech and TCU first to see what defense is Texas Tech, the one that showed up against Oklahoma, or the one that played West Virginia. 
Right. Uh, but that's kind of the only reason I'm going to go ahead and go, all right, I think Texas has a good day. They start really filling their oats and thinking they're the next great thing and they're on the comeback before they drop one or two more games the rest of the year. Yeah, I just uh, really interesting game here because I, I just I I know that I thought Texas had a really good shot last week just riding the just that was that was the Tom Herman special. He does that one time it seems like every few years where he's the underdog, unranked, going to a top 10 team. Like that is when you should always take Tom Herman not just to cover, but it's smart to take a look at that win. For the Longhorns though, like coming off this, here's the hope for them. You're going into a bye week and then you've got Kansas on the other side. So there's no like it's not the Iowa State game. It's not Kansas State. No one to look ahead to. You know, you would hope that this coaching staff with, you know, a former head coach and Ash, they're running the defense. Obviously, Tom Herman, the current head coach, you would hope that they would be able to take this somewhat veteran team and say, look, guys, I understand we're riding high off that win. We just need to make it through this week, get into the bye week, one more tune up and then two massive games down the stretch hosting Iowa State heading to Manhattan. But I just. I can't believe in this Texas team. I know that Tom Herman looks like he might've got, you know, not an extension, but he got that extra year. I just not confident in anything they've done because they have been in every game all year long, uh, just by giving it to the other team when they, when they shouldn't be, you know what I mean? Oh, let, no, I agree. Let's not mistake me taking Texas in this game for faith, but believing in this Texas team, I am going to say this sarcastically. It wouldn't shock me if the, after the bye week, they find a way to stumble and lose to this god awful Kansas team. Well, They've done the it before. Time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I mean, that's what it's just. I think I go with Texas just for the simple fact of West Virginia hasn't impressed me either. Now maybe they have a hangover and that's where they lose. To be honest, for Oklahoma, go ahead and let Texas lose again. Get them to the three loss mark. Yeah. Knock them out of the way. I mean, that would be fine with me. Well, and here's the thing too. You kind of feel like so. I, I feel like Texas maybe finally is figuring out that Bajon Robinson is their best option out of the backfield. And you ride Which that should tell you something about Herman, by the way. Correct. A- absolutely. Um, you feel like that should be a given. Their offensive line, though, continues to be patchwork. It's not great. And West Virginia, their their defense isn't great, but that front with stills, things like that, like it is a good front. So I kind of wonder if that'll offset maybe Texas feeling like they've had something. Or who knows? Maybe they turn that corner and have a breakout game on the ground with Bajan. But that I really am fascinated by this game, and uh, only time will tell. And we'll have plenty of time next week to break down everything that happened from it. As uh, like we said, it, it's Kansas week, and then the Sooners head into a bye week. So we got what two weeks basically to prep for Bedlam. That's right. Yeah, which is good. It's at least a big game we're going to prep for. That'll be fun. Can you but- can you imagine if we had to get through like? OU Baylor bye week OU Kansas like what would what would we do no. like, well I don't think my computer would work to tape the podcast I uh, think yes. I had technical problems yeah, Convenient, yeah. That, would, that, that would be brutal yeah oh, I'm just ready for the dumpster and you've got me excited now because you know what I've decided I'm ready for the dumpsters fire in Austin yeah I, I think it's what's 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 the uh official name of like the circus music that you put in the b-roll oh, I don't know I know what yeah. you're talking about though but yeah no that's what it is because let me tell you they lose this week, Ryan. Everyone that thinks, oh, he had a job-saving win. Oh, he just had a job-saving loss. But, you know, or... Let's put it this way. If they lose this week, the, the GAs in Austin should be more concerned about their own uh, message boards than uh, sifting through everybody else's. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. Oh, my God, Ryan. So we're doing podcast. I mean, a post-game podcast on Saturday, Sunday. What yeah. do we talk about? Uh, do you want to go ahead and tape it after we're done here? Yeah, we can actually this this podcast is going to get uploaded a second time with a new name. Surprise. Welcome. I mean, look, there is it should be a nice week of college football. Um, you know, there's NFL action we can talk about, Randy. The NBA is coming back. You know, maybe we can maybe maybe we'll dive into OU basketball a little bit. We can do a little season preview of them. That's true. Maybe we get into that because that's one thing I think we need to make clear to folks. This podcast isn't going to be like a lot of the OU podcasts that just focus on football. We're going to turn the page to basketball. We're going to turn the page to softball and baseball. I mean, we'll still talk football, but we're going to talk it all here on on the Heisman Park Rangers. I know it's a football-esque title, but we'll talk a little bit of everything here on this podcast. 
for sure, for sure, you know, just around the corner from from some of those winter and spring sports trying to get their plans together to get rolling. So it should be a lot of fun. And Randy, like, honestly, I feel like all the Jayhawk fans out there, they uh, would stand in solidarity with us doing a basketball podcast in, in lieu of a postgame football podcast. This is true. I, I think they would they would probably listen to it more. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So look forward to all of that. We will have a post game. It will talk about football and other things, I am sure. And then, you know, we roll on into the bye week. The bye week means, yeah, there's no post game podcast during the bye week, but we'll still have our normal weekly pod. We've got two weeks here to prep for a massive, massive Bedlam game. One of the bigger ones. Although I guess, Randy, over the last decade, we've become accustomed to having huge Big 12 title implications in Bedlam. But Uh, Plenty of time to dive into all that and all the fun going down. But just remember, at RJ Heights 1077 on Twitter, at Radio's Ryan, uh, that's where you can get the uh, Billy Tubbs court campaign going. I think we still need to workshop a creative hashtag to to go alongside Billy Tubbs court. Um, That's where you can get behind that campaign, show it some some muscle, um, get the Highball Network on Twitter. Like us on Facebook, too. We have a ton of articles all that stuff, any like it's it's your source for news, anything OU, anything like that, all of it, one place, super easy to find all that. So like us there, you can get tons of podcast info there as well. But, you know, until next week, look, everyone take a deep breath. No matter what happens here, um, you know, the, the, we're all going to go will come up tomorrow. The sun will come up tomorrow and we will see you all inside football stadiums for the rest of the year. And look, whether you're happy, sad, whatever, we'll come grab beers. Cause that's what we do. Now we drink our worries away in 2020 until the post game pod. Uh, we will see you all next time.